Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to donate to save babies now. And now here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. And we're back with another week, another episode of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with John and Neil. And we don't have Roger Marsh with us today. We look forward to having him back with us next week. Guys, how are you? Very good, Bob. Thanks. Oh, good. Good talking with you. Well, a lot of things going on. We're going to do kind of a follow-up this week on, on last week's. Uh, last week's issue of, of course, the raid of Mar-a-Lago because there's there's some follow-up discussion we want to have on that. But before we do, uh, I just want to get some quick thoughts on something that happened. You know, Tuesday of this week was, of course, primary election day in a couple of states. Wyoming was the big one everybody was watching. And Liz Cheney lost yesterday. Liz Cheney, who, of course, one of the rhino Republicans, uh, seriously anti-Trump, and she not only lost, she lost by nearly 40 points. And this is after her campaign to get a bunch of Democrats to switch over and vote in the Republican primary. So she, uh, some of the 36 to 38 points she lost by were actually Democrats voting for her. So she was incredibly trounced. And uh, I think it's pretty telling that this rhino Republican who's on the uh, January 6th sham hearings and committee, that she got beat this badly. As a matter of fact, of the 10 House Republicans who voted to impeach Donald Trump, uh, eight of them are out of a job. Uh, four of them went ahead and uh, and retired, didn't even try to run again. And of the remaining six, four of those uh, got beat. And so it does seem to me that the Everything we're being told in MSNBC, CNN, and the rest about, oh, Donald Trump's coattails are gone, his support is waning. It seems to me that there has been some backlash on Republicans who have gone after Donald Trump. So I thought we just – before we get this started about Mar-a-Lago and the follow-up on this, just kind of you guys' thoughts on that. John, maybe we start with you. John Rush rushed reason out of Denver, Colorado. Uh, how big of a deal is it that Liz Cheney not only lost, but she lost by nearly 40 points? She got creamed. Uh, we oh. were predicting yesterday on air like 20 points. We figured she'd lose by, but it was 40 Points. I mean, that just sends this huge signal to, I think, to the left and to the right. I mean, it's funny. I, I, I don't know how I got on the uh, newsletter list from the DNC, but I am. So I get all these emails and stuff from the DNC. When you have Nancy Pelosi advocating for Liz Cheney, what does that tell you? The reality <laughs> is <know. laughs> there was a lo- large message sent to not only the Liz Cheney camp, but to the rhinos in general and especially the left that, especially in Wyoming, that ain't going to work anymore. I know. Uh, Neil, your thoughts on – I mean this is – for Trump and for Trump supporters, there is a sense of, okay, the overwhelming majority of the Republicans who turned on Trump in 2020 and have attacked him the largest – these are the ones that have been wiped out. And then you add to that, uh, you've got some family dynasties here that uh, Donald Trump appears to have defeated. You've got the 
Bush dynasty that for the most part has been defeated. You have the Cheney dynasty that now appears to be defeated. And then, of course, you have the Clinton dynasty, uh, Hillary Clinton. We know that one as well. So uh, I just I, – I don't know, Neil, that the people that are saying, oh, Donald Trump, he's yesterday's news – I'm not sure that that's really the case. Your, your thoughts on yesterday's primary? Well, it'd be hard to argue with what you're saying because it sure seems that way. Uh, and as shocking as the loss was in one way, not so much. I think people are fed up. I also wonder, I mean, it's a lot of this can be tied, I'm sure, directly to Donald Trump. No question about it. But on the other hand, I also wonder how much of it's tied to uh, anti-swamp mentality. I think what people have witnessed over the last 18 months is deplorable, and I think that the American people are fed up. So I think it's a combination of both, but probably uh, more than anything else, backlash for the kind of targeted uh, effort there has been to smear Donald Trump, to you know convict him of some kind of a crime which has never happened, impeach him which didn't happen twice, and you know there's just an effort to try to sweep him out of the way. And I think people are saying, no, that's not what we want, uh, because we love America. And Donald Trump, more than anybody else, has stood up for old school freedom and liberty and America as we seem to have known it. Well, it seems very much to be that way. Okay, what we're going to talk about through the rest of the podcast is, first of all, do we have a case in America where we're watching before our eyes unequal justice under the law, where the, the the charges that are brought against you, uh, are you violating the law or not? Well, that totally depends on whether you're Republican or Democrat. Uh, is that in fact happening or is that just crazy conspiracy theory paranoia? And then are we at a boiling point in America where we could end up seeing some civil unrest from conservatives if this goes too far? We're going to dive into that and then as Christians, how we should respond to all of this as well. So we got a lot to unpack in this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Before we get to all of that, though, I do want to ask those of you listening to us. I mean, we very much appreciate those of you that have donated to Preborn. Uh, as you know, Preborn is a pro-life ministry, and what they do is partner with pro-life pregnancy centers all across the country to stop abortions, to basically encourage women to let their babies live. And they do this by showing ultrasound images of their babies to the expectant moms. And we know statistically, when a woman sees an ultrasound image of her baby, she chooses life 80% of the time, 80%. So it's really important that we get these ultrasound images in front of these mom's eyes. Well, that's what preborn does. And they've calculated it takes an average of $28 to stop one abortion. $28 saves one baby's life. And so we're asking you folks listening right now, would you donate $280 and stop 10 abortions? One-time donation, $280 saves 10 babies' lives. It's a complete tax write-off for you. 100% of what you donate goes to fund ultrasounds, zero to overhead. A lot of you have donated already. We appreciate that. If you have not, will you do that right now? It's this simple. Just go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn tab. CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the Preborn tab. And uh, you can save those babies' lives right now. You can also donate over the phone. Just call 833-850-BABY. 
That's 833-850-BABY. And they answer the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And hey, listen, if you could do more than 280 for 10 babies, by all means do. You could do $2,800 and save 100 babies' lives. But whatever you can do, uh, go right now, CrawfordMediaGroup.net, and click on the Preborn tab. We appreciate you folks doing that. As we continue the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado, Neil Boron, Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York, myself, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh will be back with us next week. And so uh, the Mar-a-Lago raid, we talked about that last week, guys, but th- there's a, a – boiling point that seems to be happening in America. And let me just go through some examples here of of why conservatives are getting so frustrated. First of all, we look at uh, we look at the unequal justice under the law and the unequal application under the law. For example, Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton took top secret classified documents and she illegally took them to her home, stored them on an uh, unsecured email server to be hacked by our enemies around the world. Anybody else goes to prison for that. No one raided her home. And then after these emails were subpoenaed, she destroyed them, 33,000 of them. She also smashed physical uh, smashed with a physical hammer her phones and handheld devices. She acid-washed her hard drives with bleach bit. This is all after subpoenaed, yet there were no Department of Justice uh, raids of her home. Sandy Berger, Bill Clinton's national security advisor, he went into the National Archives as they were leaving office, and he took documents illegally, government documents, and literally stuffed them in his underwear and in his socks, he was caught doing this, and he got a slap on the wrist, $50,000 fine. Nobody raided his home. James Comey, the former FBI director, anti-Trump, he illegally took government documents and leaked them to the media, and he admitted he did this, and he did it for the purpose of trying to generate an independent investigation into Donald Trump. Nobody raided James Comey's home. And, of course, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, that whole scandal, nobody's raiding their homes. Yet Donald Trump, his home gets raided. So Trump supporters look at this and say, wait a minute here. This is not right. Then we add to this a lot of other misapplications. For example, just last month, you had one, count them one, Planned Parenthood Clinic in America happens to be here in Michigan, where where I'm from. And someone firebombed this Planned Parenthood Clinic. Now, they did it after hours. Nobody was there. But it was still wrong for this person to do it. Merrick Garland and the, the Biden Department of Justice, they swooped in on this, launched an immediate investigation. It only took them four days to find out who this person was. They had him arrested, charged. That person's facing 20 years in prison. Okay, fine. However, for the last three months, we've had not one, not two, but over 100 churches and pro-life pregnancy centers that have been either firebombed, vandalized, attacked. Not one person, not one arrest has been made. Not one person has been charged. You see stuff like this. You see the group Jane's Revenge that's claiming credit for a lot of these fire bombings. They're admitting it. Not one person with James, Jane's Revenge has been arrested or charged. As a matter of fact, the Department of Justice refuses to label them a domestic terrorist organization. However, they have used the word domestic terrorist to describe conservative Christian parents going to school board meetings and complaining. 
there comes a point here, when you, especially when you look at Black Lives Matter and Antifa rioters that have had their charges dropped, while the January 6th rioters who went into the Capitol building, uh, they've been disproportionately punished. So we're seeing this over and over and over again, all these different examples. And there comes a point where American conservatives are starting to say enough is enough. Now, I'm not advocating violence. Of course not. Uh, I think all of us agree that we want to handle things like this peacefully. But it does seem like, and John, maybe we could start with you, John Rush. Uh, John, it seems very much like we're watching before our very eyes uh, a two-tiered justice system in America where uh, – where it's the kind of thing you would expect to see in North Korea or China or Venezuela or Russia, but not here in the United States. Christians and conservatives are, in fact, being yeah. targeted, aren't they? Yeah, we have a dual system of justice in yeah. this country right now that you can see. It's right. But anybody that's not willing to admit that, honestly, Bob, just isn't looking at reality. Everything you just mentioned, which, by the way, is just the tip of the iceberg of the things that we see as far as injustices go, we do not have an equal application of the law in this country right now. It is a pick and choose. They're picking winners and losers on an ongoing basis. And no, that's not the way this country was set up. You know, will there be a tipping point to where, you know, some people just finally say enough is enough? Um, yeah, I mean, on the same token, we've been in situations like this before in the past. I remind my listeners of that on a regular basis. It's not the first time this country's ever ever had this happen since we became a country, by the way. And, you know, again, part of the reason why we became a country was because of what we're talking about. But the reality is we've had other situations like this. How will this one play out? I, honestly, and I, I'm going to say it straight up, guys, it depends a lot on what happens in these next two elections, 2022 and 2024. If things go the way that I think they will, I think we'll be okay, and I think some things will settle down, and the other side is going to have a royal fit, and that'll be another conversation in and of itself. But reality is, if we can take over some seats and even a majority, which I know is almost an impossibility, but the, the further down the road we get, the more that looks like a possibility. We get a majority of the House and the Senate in 2022 and then take over the presidency in 2024. Yeah, things are going to look a lot different. That's right. And there have to be investigations. Republicans have Correct. to have a backbone if they do get control of this. Absolutely. Neil, I want to get your take on this as well in just a moment. But I do first want to take a moment right now and just remind everybody listening to us that we are still receiving donations for preborn to stop abortions. And if you have not done this yet, please prayerfully consider doing it now. Remember, it takes $28 to save one baby's life, to stop one abortion by showing ultrasound images to these expectant moms. Will you donate $280 to save 10 babies' lives? We have had many, many of our listeners to this podcast donate, and we so much thank you for that. But to the rest of you, if you have not done that yet, right now is your chance. Here's all you do. Go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn tab. CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on Preborn, and you can donate right there online. 100% of your donation goes directly to fund ultrasounds. And isn't it worth $280 to know that you, your family, is responsible for saving the lives of 10 babies, of stopping 10 abortions? Now, if you could do more than that, do more than that. Some of you can do $2,800 and save 100 babies' lives. Isn't that a great family legacy? Your family stopped 100 abortions. What can you afford to do? 
crawfordmediagroup.net. Click on the Preborn tab. You can also donate over the phone. They answer the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So go ahead and call right now, 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-BABY. They're ready for your call right now, everybody. Talking here on this National Crawford Roundtable podcast about the the fallout, conservatives getting very, very upset about what we're seeing is a two-tier justice system in America where if you are a Republican or a conservative, then the Democrats, when they're in power, they are disproportionately punishing you. However, if you are a liberal and a Democrat, you can do even worse things and you're ignored and the laws don't apply to you the same. This is a problem. And the Mar-a-Lago raid of Donald Trump's home, this is just kind of the icing on the cake. This is what's really caused, I think, uh, Neil Boron, a lot of a lot of American conservatives and Christians to say, you know what? This is actually real. The, I've suspected this. It seems like that. It feels like it's unequal justice in America. But this Mar-a-Lago raid, it's like, you know what? This is not crazy conspiracy theory talk. We are actually living this in real life, Neil. Yeah, and I think it gives all the credibility that anyone would ever need to say that equal protection under the law is a thing of the past, like that that you could make that argument and you've got all the proof you need now based on what just happened. And you're right. I think that a lot of the American people have been suspicious of this for a really long time. Uh, now we're seeing it come to light. Uh, Alan Dershowitz wrote a really interesting commentary for the Wall Street Journal just the other day talking about mm-hmm. equal protection under the law and really pointing out, look at, you know, it, I'm personally, I'll speak for myself. I'm not a fan of what about ism. You know, if somebody does something wrong, doesn't mean I should be able to do something wrong because they did. I think mm-hmm. that Americans and believers, Christians, conservatives should do the right thing if it's the right thing to do. But when you're talking about equal protection under the law, you have to compare one against the other. And, and you know, no one's supposed to be treated differently because they're a Democrat or a Republican. The law should right. apply to all people. But that does raise an interesting question because would we be... I mean, just think about this for a second. I'm not, uh, I'm not discounting the importance of our conversation today. But if this raid had been on Hillary Clinton's home, would there be a reason to be concerned about this? Uh, number one, she had never served as president. Okay, we get that. Um, but you know, would we be saying, "Hey, go get them"? This is what the FBI needs to do is to search these kind of things. I, I think that there's people trying to make that argument. Let me just say, I think that her case is worse, far worse, because you're dealing with an email server. That's potentially, you know, available to the entire world, depending on who's hacking it. it at never should have been moment. used in the first place. Is the other right. thing that's, that's a breach of security right up front? Yeah, versus some documents locked in a basement somewhere. A little different scenario there, but you could see how people are trying to make that argument, saying, "Hey, mm-hmm. uh, how come the Republicans weren't calling for a raid on her home? I guess we were, but if if they had, would we be saying that it was unfair or improper? I don't know." Yeah, well, it seems to me that we know full well that former presidents, there's a common thing that happens when they leave office, and that's uh, the dispute and the tension between the former president and the National Archives. They, they've always had this. I mean, come on. Uh, uh, 
Barack Obama spent $30 million of fighting in court to try to, in his battle with the National Archives about what he's allowed to keep and what he's not. All presidents do this. So to me, this is very – this is not about National Archives. This is nothing more than the excuse that was used by the Department of Justice to say, hey, here's our green light to rummage through the drawers to go fishing, of to go fishing. everything – exactly, John. Everything in Mar-a-Lago. Let's see what we can find. Let's let's uncover – let's lift up rocks and let's look for some dirt. And whatever we can find, it's basically a search warrant in search of a crime. And if we – and the, the National Archives just gave us the excuse that we needed. Then they go to this magistrate judge, Bruce Reinhart, who, by the way, was an Obama-Biden donor and trashed Donald Trump in social media. And he says, yeah, sure, you can go ahead and search the place. Which, by the way, can I remind everybody – uh, Merrick Garland, he told Donald Trump, remember, he, he tried to bluff him a little bit, said, well, you know, we want to be fully transparent. And so releasing the warrant. But, you know, Don, we can't do that without Donald Trump approving. Donald Trump comes back and says, absolutely approve it. So then what does Merrick Garland do? He only releases the actual warrant approval itself, but he has refused to release the reasoning behind the warrant, the argument that was used, because I think he knows how lame that's going to be. And he's now claiming all that would hinder our investigation. That's a bunch of nonsense also. So uh, it's it's really scary what's what's going on here. And really, with this. And really quick, Bob, how would yeah. releasing that hinder an investigation? Oh, I know. That's the I dumbest know th- excuse I've ever heard. I'm not even it, an attorney, and I know that's not going to be the, the case at all. Right. No, th- this is clearly a case where he knows full well, and I'm quite sure that they're having their, their meeting sitting around in the oh, yeah. in the attorney general's office going, rut row. Now what uh-huh. do we do? Trump caught our bluff, and we can't come out and say – here was our argument. Here's our justification for going in there because everybody's going to go, that's it? Are you kidding me? That's it? How is that different than, than previous presidents? Not to mention the fact, let me remind you guys too, Donald Trump – already has a track record of cooperating with them. Back in February, he turned over a bunch of boxes. Then in June, they came out again and said, hey, you know what? We need some more stuff. Donald Trump was like, you can have whatever you want. And the stuff that we're keeping here, they said, well, can you put an extra lock on that? Sure, we went ahead and did that. And then they decided, well, okay, the National Archives is complaining. By the way, most people don't know this. The very same director of National Archives that went to the Department of Justice and said, hey, we need action against Donald Trump. He was also the director of National Archives when Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State and when she was running for president. And Charles Grassley in in uh, the Senate, Republican, he asked him under, uh, under oath, do you believe that Hillary that action should be requested of the Department of Justice for Hillary Clinton and her mishandling of documents and he said no I don't believe that would be inappropriate or I believe that would be inappropriate mm-hmm. this very same director of National Archives so th- there's no doubt there's just massive massive double standards at play here so so question so, for you guys really quick yeah. is this is this already starting to backfire on the Democrats yeah I, I think so. I, I assume so. Liz Cheney, uh, she won in 2000, or I'm sorry, in 2020, she won with 73% of the vote. 
two years later, she lost by nearly 40 points. Mm -hmm. And what's the difference between Liz Cheney two years ago and Liz Cheney today? She spent the last two years in a full frontal assault on Donald Trump and sitting on this January 6th committee. So I I do think that this probably is strengthening Trump. Let's say that correctly, too, because the Wyoming folks understand this. It was a full frontal of uh, it was a full frontal attack upon America. Yeah, not just you're right. Donald you're right. Trump, no, you're America, right. And the Wyoming people know that. Yeah, no, that's very true. What do you think, Neil? Is this strength in Trump's hand? hundred percent. And it also solidifies Republicans behind him. Been a number of articles that have said that the Republican Party is uniting behind him because of the unfair treatment directed apparently at Republicans because of Republican. Um, so I, I think it's going to backfire on the Democrats. I think we, and you're right, uh, the Liz Cheney thing would be, uh, you know, item number one, exhibit number one, <laughs> to prove that that uh, the American people are pretty fed up with this kind of thing. But let me ask you a question. Do you really, uh, do, do you guys think that this really has anything to do with a belief that Donald Trump in some fashion committed a crime or maybe that he has some uh, nuclear codes or secrets or something that, you know, would indicate that he plans to destroy America if, if the America won't let him be president or some, some national security issue or something else? Or is this just an attempt to keep an investigation in front of the American people? I mean, the January 6th thing is drug on for over two years, um, mm. you know, and uh, two different impeachments, uh, the Russia collusion thing. It seems like every attempt is made to keep him painted as a white supremacist. Uh, American freedom-hating, democracy-hating guy, which, of course, we know that's not true. But my point is, uh, I can't I can't fathom that there's really anything to this other than a major publicity stunt. And yeah, I don't well, need to just boil it down to that, but that's what it looks like. I'll tell you what, I I totally think that this is this is completely political. Uh, they They don't want Donald Trump to run again in 2024. They want to try to hurt Republicans' chances this November by smearing and tarring anybody who's connected to Donald Trump, holding onto his coattails, or in any way has shared a stage with Donald Trump. So their thinking is, if we can destroy Trump, if we can smear his brand, then any Republicans who have associated or connected themselves to Donald Trump, we can drag them down too. That's the only way the Democrats can win elections, is by cheating deception and everything else. So I think they're trying to do that combined with trying to keep Trump from running in in 2024. We've got about 30 seconds to the break. Uh, what do you think real quick, John? I, I, I'm i with uh, my cohort, Andy, who's on with me on Tuesdays and Fridays. Uh, his opinion is that they did all of this to make sure that Donald Trump would run because they feel like he's a worse candidate and they can beat him. I think they're sadly mistaken, but, you know, I'm I'm with Andy. I think this is exactly what they wanted. They're going to get Trump to run, and that's what the Democrats want. The Democrats want Trump to run. Yes. So you really think they're, they're doing this to prop him up? Yes, because they, they think he's an easier candidate to beat than DeSantis is. Wow. Well, you know what? Yeah. You could be right, but I, I just – I don't think so. I think they're scared to death of Donald Trump because Donald Trump did it before. And Donald Trump – remember, I think I mentioned this last week. He can use a really powerful word. He can use the word again. He can say, my campaign promises are things that I would like to do again. Uh, I would like to repeat what I did before. Uh, that's a really, really powerful campaign 
to be able to run on. And I, I think that's got the Democrats scared. So I look, you could be right, and your friend Andy could be right. I don't know. So we'll we'll see. But let's do this. We're, we're coming up on the bottom of the hour, and we invite you folks, certainly listen to the second half of this podcast because we're going to get into the 87,000 I, new IRS agents and what that means potentially for Christians and conservatives as well. Uh, if you're not able to listen to the second half of this podcast on your regular radio, listen online. Go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. You can listen to us right there or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you listen to your podcasts. So, And by the way, you can watch video of this podcast at MyHopeNow.com. And we'll continue the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast next. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting production. Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with the guys, Neil Boron, Neil Boron, live out of Buffalo, New York. John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Myself, Bob Duco, the Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. Roger Marsh of the bottom line from the People's Republic of California. He's not here, so we'll talk about him behind his back and then deny it next week. Uh, so, uh, John, Neil, we're talking about uh, the double standard that exists, the, the dual sets of justice in this country. Uh, and the discrimination that it seems that we're seeing. I want to move now to the this new uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which is such a joke to call it that. This is a big climate uh, clean, Green New Deal spending thing that the Democrats have done. First, let me say the Joint Taxation, the uh, Joint Committee on Taxation, which is a bipartisan organization, the Joint Committee on Taxation, they say that with this new act. Uh, that, that Joe Biden promises nobody making under 400000 a year is going to see his words, one penny of tax increase. You know what they say? They say of people making between ten dollars and $20,000 a year, this is poverty level, between ten dollars and $20,000 a year, 24.6% of them will see a tax increase. That's one out of four. For people making between seventy-five dollars and $100,000 a year, okay, which is middle-income America, 91% of them We'll see a tax increase under this, 91%. And people making 100000 to 200000 a year, it's 97.2% of those people see a tax increase. While Joe Biden claimed with a straight face, not one penny of tax increase for anybody making under $400,000 a year. So we know that is a lie uh, directly from the Joint Committee on Taxation. Well, President Biden also said that Nobody making under $400,000 a year is going to get targeted by the IRS in this. Well, we know that's not true because, remember, you had uh, Senator Mike Crapo who introduced an amendment to this bill that would say, as part of the bill, if you make under $400,000 a year, then you are free from from having any of these additional agents come after you for auditing. So that the new agents cannot, they can't use the funding to go after people making 400000 a year or less for audits. Do you know every single Democrat voted no? Every Democrat voted no. Every Republican voted yes. So hold on. If this is true, that nobody making under 400000 a year is going to be targeted by the new 87,000 agents – why then why did every Democrat vote no to codifying it in the law that they wouldn't be affected? Joe Biden says this is about going after the billionaires. 
Okay, there's only 725 billionaires in America, according to Forbes, yet we're talking about 87,000 agents. That's 118 agents per billionaire, and the billionaires are already being audited anyway. So this is clearly going after middle and lower income Americans. But here's where I want to take this. This is what I'm curious to get you guys' take on. Uh, I believe that these 87,000 are going to be going after Christians and pro-lifers and conservatives and registered Republicans. Let's face it, it would not be hard, Neil, for algorithms to be written where the where tax returns could be easily flagged and identified as people that are Republicans, pro-lifers based on who they donate to or whatever. I think they're going to be targeted, and I don't think that's crazy conspiracy theory talk or paranoia. We've watched them do this before, Neil, in 2012. We saw the IRS go after conservative groups and pro-life groups, denying them tax them status. There were congressional investigative hearings into this. And based on what we're seeing today with the unequal application of the law, I just don't think it's crazy conspiracy theory talk to think that we, Neil, are going to get targeted. Yeah, I agree 100%. And on the one hand, some people would say that this is a conspiracy theory. I don't think so. I think it's a direct effort to go after people who disagree with liberals, progressives, Democrats, fill in the blank, uh, that there's a there's an effort to eradicate what we knew as America, you know, growing up as kids, and of course the 200 some odd year history of our country, it's slowly being eroded away. And people that stand for what this country has been about, and Lord willing will be about in the future, are going to be targeted. So, and by the way, I think that there's something biblically that there's biblical significance to that. Mm-hmm. That it's prophetically significant, uh, and I can't point to a single verse. But my, but what I am saying is that the idea of moving towards uh, globalism, a one-world government, a cashless society, et cetera, et cetera, all of that stuff. We've talked about this on previous broadcasts. All plays into the fact that the word of God is true. So as much as I I hate to say it, we are seeing our liberty eroding away. And I think, as John Rush has said in the past, we need to do everything we can to slow that process. But I think I think we all agree that at some point, there's nothing any of us are going to be able to do down the road. Uh, yeah. Because ultimately, somebody named Antichrist is rising to power. And, you know, I, I don't want to go too far with it. I'm just saying <clears throat> all of this stuff is a precursor to what's coming next. And Christians have an awful lot to say about truth, biblical truth. So why not target those people? Get them off the map. Take Go after the domestic terrorist parents who have a problem with gender identity being shoved down the throats of their third graders, right? I mean, that's the real problem with America. It's Christians who want to abide by the law and who love God and love freedom. We're the problem. We're the enemy. So let's go after them. I mean, I think that's that's ultimately what's happening here. Right. Uh, John, I want to get your take on this. We're going to take a, a quick break and then get your response to this. As we continue the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, uh, we continue to ask you to donate to Preborn and save some of these babies' lives. And if you've done it already, thank you. God bless you. If you have not yet, then it's this simple. Just go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the Preborn tab, and you can stop abortions right there with your money. It takes $28 to stop one abortion. 
$28 saves one baby's life. It's done by showing ultrasound images of these unborn babies to the expectant moms. So we're asking you to donate $280 and save 10 babies' lives. Or if you could do $2,800, save 100 babies' lives, whatever you can do. And by the way, it takes $15,000 to buy one ultrasound machine. Uh, Are there some of you out there? Maybe you're a business owner. You'd like a nice tax write-off. Maybe you're a family that God's blessed financially. Would you donate one time $15,000? to provide one ultrasound machine, and you're going to be responsible for saving the lives of thousands of babies. This is all a tax write-off for you, and 100%, 100% of the money goes right to fund ultrasounds, not a penny to overhead. Remember, Preborn has been doing this for a long time, folks, all across America. And just to give you an idea, last year, in 2021, they stopped 43,669 abortions. That's right. That's how many babies' lives were saved. And along the way, there were 7,986 first-time decisions for Jesus Christ among these moms. Is that worth $280? I hope so. Go right now, CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on the Preborn tab. You can donate right there online. You can also donate over the phone by calling 833-850-BABY. And they answer the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They're ready for your call right now. So 833-850-BABY. So... John uh, John Rush, talking about the 87,000 IRS agents, I guess it just seems to me if, if we're watching, if we've already seen in real time uh, conservative Christian parents being targeted and investigated by the FBI, the Biden administration's Department of Justice, for going to school board meetings and complaining and being labeled as domestic terrorists, if that's actually really happening in real life, is it just crazy paranoid paranoia to think that this very same Biden administration is, isn't going to sick 87,000 IRS agents on a bunch of conservative Christians? They're going to sick them on anyone they think they can extract money from. And if anybody out there listening, and that doesn't matter, in my opinion, what political party you're from, yes. You don't think they'll go for us more than the Democrats? No, No, let me finish. They're going to target certain organizations and certain individuals first. But if you think that just because you have a D next to your name, you're immune from this, think again. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I wouldn't say a D next to your name makes you immune, but I would say that a D next to your name dramatically reduces the odds of you being one of the new people to be audited. I think it's going to be overwhelmingly disproportionately conservatives, Christians, pro-lifers. And John, I only say that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I only say that because that's what's happening right now. Okay. I mean, let's face it. If. Think of it this way. Uh, what if we said, and I'm, I'm going to push back on you a little bit, John, although I, I get what you're saying. In a broad sense, everybody's going to be targeted, but, but I think the ratio of targeting is going to be much more lopsided than we assume. Because you know something? If, if you had said three months ago, uh, look, you're upset about Roe v. Wade being overturned, but just so you know, whichever side of the abortion debate you're on, don't show up at a judge's home and protest outside their home because that's a violation of U.S. Code 18, Section 1507, punishable by up to a year in prison. And don't think for a second that just because you have a D after your name that you're going to be exempt from prosecution for showing up out there. Well, you know something? Every single one of those protesters have Ds after their names, and every single one of them have gotten a pass 
Lives, Black Lives Matter and Antifa, every single one of them have D's after their names. And the overwhelming majority of them have gotten a pass. So based on that track record that's happening right now in real time, I believe that the overwhelming majority of middle and low-income Americans that have a D after their name, not all of them, but the majority of them, are going to get a pass when it comes to the audits, and it's going to be us. And I'm only saying that, John, based on what we're watching happen in I every other can't, area can't of governmental control. Can't, you know, can't argue that one, Bob. I think you're spot on. Can't argue that. And here's the, the, the really frustrating thing about this. This is supposed to be America. Right. Which, which brings us to the difficult question of, uh, of civil unrest. I, I mean, look – we're believers in Christ, okay? We we don't support violence, of course not. But we know that there's been times in history when civil unrest has been kind of justified. Like, for example, okay, when you have black people being told decades ago that they're not allowed to eat in certain restaurants uh, or drink out of certain drinking fountains, they're not allowed to vote, and they're being beaten and bloodied for trying to cross a bridge, the Edmund Pettus Bridge, I mean, there comes a point where people say, okay, this is not acceptable, there's going to be an uprising. Now, there should not be violence. Martin Luther King was very clear, let's not engage in violence. But I look at conservatives right now, and John, I want to start with you on this. Uh, Anybody in America, Republican or Democrat, is capable of hitting a boiling point where they engage in violence. But we have seen traditionally conservatives, especially Christian conservatives, are usually the very last ones, maybe right before Gandhi. Okay, Conservatives in America are the very last ones uh, to engage in violence when they don't get their way or when they're being discriminated against. Liberals, we know they do this regularly, but conservatives tend to not do it. January 6th, you had a couple of hundred of them that hit a boiling point and rushed the Capitol. They were wrong for doing it, but it's not impossible. And now I wonder, when we're watching this on steroids, John, is there going to come a point where you have a minority of conservatives that say, that's it, enough is enough. And before you know it, we end up seeing conservative people out there engaging in rioting. Uh, Are we on the verge of that happening? And if so, how do we respond? Again, as I said earlier in the first half, I think it depends on what happens in 2022 and again in 2024. I think this is, we always say this is the most important election of our lifetime. It's the most important election of our lifetime. Folks, every election is important and can change the course of history. And these next two coming up are very, very much that way, Bob, especially given what we've seen in the last 18 months. We have seen literally, I'm going to call it what it is, a regime that has come in that has this idea that they can control everything. They want to control your life. They want to take over the country. They want it to be their way or no way. And it's literally this agenda that they're force-feeding down our throats. And unless we, Christians, conservatives, really anybody that enjoys freedom, if we don't start pushing back against this, what you just said is going to happen. Yeah. Well, I think you're right. And, Neil, your thoughts on this. Will there there come a point – and i got to be honest with you – I'm. I'm not sure that we're very far away from that now, but uh, you you see the Mar-a-Lago raid. This has really inflamed conservatives to say, all right, enough is enough. And then if if there's examples of voter fraud in this this, uh, November election and then again in 2024, might there be conservatives saying, you know what, that's it? 
This is enough. Uh, we're not, I'm not going to sit idly by and watch America turn into Venezuela and they start engaging in kind of like a Boston Tea Party. I mean, let's face it. Our founding fathers rebelled and said, absolutely no, we are not going to allow this kind of tyranny to take away our rights. I do not support any kind of violence. I know you don't either, Neil, but is this what's on the verge of happening? Verge, no, but I think that in, I'm giving you my opinion here. I think that fringe groups like you know, Proud Boys and groups like that might be willing to cross the line and enter into violence. I don't think that the average American is to that point yet, or average conservative American, Republican, Christian, however you want to label them. Um, and obviously everyone's coming from a slightly different point of view on this, but civil disobedience, absolutely. I could see that that would, I mean, in a way, that's what the Freedom Convoy was in Canada. And there was an awful lot of eyes on what was happening in Canada during the Freedom Convoy. Mm-hmm. I think that Americans were saying, hey, if it comes to this, if we, if we can't get change any other way, then we're going to have to let our voices be heard. So the idea of, you know, like what happened with Rosa Parks and, uh, you know, and uh, people that were fighting during the civil rights era, when I say fighting, um, letting their voice be heard through civil disobedience, uh, the Martin Luther King era, that kind of thing. Um I could see that happening much sooner. But let me just say one other thing. I don't know if you guys caught this. It was yesterday or the day before. uh, Joe Biden announces some new directives, some new rules related to Title IX. Did you catch this? Uh, Title IX, of course, deals with sex discrimination so that, you know, females can't be discriminated against Mm -hmm. in college sports and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So they stretched that to include gender equality and gender-related issues. So the president literally deputized or gave authority to teachers to circumvent parents' authority on this issue and do whatever's necessary to allow kids to question their own gender identity, et cetera, et cetera, and basically made parents the enemy of children's safety. Think about it. What, what, what really is happening here is that our government, led by our president and the Democratic Party, is saying that parents aren't capable of caring for their own kids, that they don't know what's best for kids. Government knows best and liberal educators know best. So I think when you start messing with kids' parents, uh, with uh, with the children of, of parents who care about liberty and freedom and that kind of thing, I think that, that ups the ante and it becomes a whole new ballgame. Probably not the only thing that could right. get people to rise to the level of violence, but I really think that there's not enough coordination right now that that it would take people getting together to say hey how do we how do we address this and somebody suggests fighting back but that people would literally you know need to be in better uh communication with one another for something coordinated to happen across the country because i think any small uprising would be squashed instantly and people would retreat in fear. So I'm, I'm certainly not advocating for it and i don't think it's imminent but i think civil disobedience absolutely you know i uh when you were talking, Neil, about parents and kids in school, here in Michigan, where I'm from, the Michigan Department of Education uh, just released instruction to the teachers in this state, and they instruct the teachers to, uh, if they have a child that is gender confused or going by you know different gender pronouns than, than their their actual gender and a little boy little johnny living as susie at school the teachers are instructed to keep this a secret from the parents right. Right. but they are not to quote out the child to their parents because they don't know how the parent would respond so how creepy is this that you have teachers being instructed 
keep a secret with the five-year-old child that you and the five-year-old child have a secret that mom and dad, we won't tell mom and dad about this. Uh, How creepy wrong is this? And parents have absolutely every right to be outraged by this. And it is a it is a troubling thing. Let me uh, as we get ready to turn to John Rush here. I do want to take one more opportunity, real quick, and just remind you, folks, as we do throughout the podcast, we're going to continue doing throughout the podcast. Uh, we want to save babies' lives. Okay, Roe v. Wade has been overturned, but that doesn't make abortion illegal. It's still very legal in this country, in most places in this country. So the battle continues, and we can stop abortions, folks. We can convince a mom to let her baby live if she can just see an ultrasound image of that baby. Now, Planned Parenthood doesn't want to show ultrasound images to the moms. But pro-life pregnancy centers across this country, they do. And those moms choose life 80% of the time when they see an ultrasound image. But it takes money to do this. That's where preborn comes in. Preborn partners with pro-life centers all across the country. And preborn pays for those ultrasound images. But it takes money to do that. So we need to pay preborn so that they can do this. It takes $28 to stop one abortion. $28 is the average cost to save one baby's life. So a lot of you have donated $280 to stop 10 abortions. We appreciate that. If you have not yet done this, will you do it now? It's $280 to save 10 babies' lives. And 100% of the proceeds go right to fund ultrasounds. 0% to overhead. So here's how easy this is. Just right now, go online to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. That's CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on the Preborn tab, and you can donate right there. And you can also call over the phone, 833-850-BABY. They're manning the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So right now, you can call 833-850-BABY. $280 saves 10 babies' lives. $2,800 saves 100 babies' lives. What can you donate? Please do it now. Okay, let's stop these abortions. Talking on this National Crawford Roundtable podcast about the 87,000 new IRS agents, the unequal justice under the law, and are we getting to a point to where there's potential civil unrest in this country from conservatives that say, you know what, enough is enough. We are we are be, being the victims of tyranny right now. John, let me ask you. John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. You've got a huge libertarian streak running through you, so I know this has got to be horribly offensive to you to see this kind of tyranny taking place and specifically seeing registered Republicans or conservatives or Trump supporters or pro-lifers or born-again Christians being the ones targeted mm-hmm. in this way. Uh None of us are going to say, hey, we should engage in violence. Of course not. All right? We're not going to say that. But how do we fight back? I mean, what do we do? What, what does the fight – we pray, number one, as Christians, absolutely. But in, a, in an earthly sense, John, how do we fight this? We, we literally have to start pushing back. I'll give you a really quick example. I've got a building right. in Fort Collins that I have a tenant in. Fort Collins established an ordinance a couple of years ago that the building owners have to have to submit the energy usage of their building so that they can essentially have an energy audit that gets publicized, and I guess they use that as a score, if you would, to let shoppers know, I guess, what businesses have a better energy score than others. I refuse to fill out 
that form. My tenant has done it one year. It's out of compliance right now. They want to fine me $3,000 right now as the building owner. Wow. I sent a long email back basically saying, in, in, in a sense, pound sand, I'll sue you if I have to. This is a violation of, of privacy, if you ask me. Why anyone would fill this garbage out is beyond me. That's the stuff, guys, we've got to start pushing back on. And most businesses will just fill it out and not worry about it. I want to stay in compliance. No, we've got to start pushing back against this nonsense. All right. So basically just saying, no, there's a difference. And Neil, it sounds to me like you're saying that we need to recognize the difference between civil unrest and civil disobedience. Like, like you uh, pointed out the uh, the Canadian truckers and such. Uh, there is a time to say to fold our arms and say, no, I am not going to comply with this and I'll fight you in court. Well, absolutely. 100%. And, you know, we live in a a system that champions the idea of, you know, being able to take our grievances to the government and say, no, we don't, we disagree. And uh, there are ways, by the way, to get the Constitution changed, to get our laws changed. And we, the people, ultimately are the government of the United States. So, you know, a lot of times, um, because of, you know, being a pastor, I, I look at things you know, uh, like prayer, for instance, and by the way, yes, we should pray, but I don't think we've really taken that seriously either. I mean, how many people listening to this podcast right this very second can say that they spent an hour in prayer today, uh, you know, about uh, abortion laws in New York in New York State or in any other state where, you know, it's so widely accepted. So I think that we don't really honestly take prayer seriously, and we have to take that first and foremost uh, very seriously, because we serve a God who can actually do something about all of this. But in reality, our government—we are the—we are the government. It's we, the people. We've lost that. You know, Nancy Pelosi goes to Congress as an average citizen, basically, and after thirty, forty years, you know, is a power broker, multi-millionaire, because the current government, the way that we run it. It's like they're the ones who are supposed to be calling the shots. No, they're accountable to us. We all Americans need to remember that that all the people that are making these rules are accountable to us, which is why elections matter. And I appreciate John saying that earlier. There is no such thing as well. This you know I'm going to take this one off because come on, it takes what half an hour to get to the polling place, cast your vote. But the reality is, if we don't like where things are headed in, in the United States of America, ultimately falls back on us because we're responsible for this. We the people. Right. Well, it is it is a heartbreaking thing to say, but ultimately, Neil, I just I, I don't see where America survives a lot longer. I don't know how long it's going to take before Jesus returns. Nobody knows the day or the hour. But I, at this rate, America was just not designed to be a socialist Marxist nation nope. Nope. And, and a godless nation on top of that. That's not how we were structured. And so we are seeing the, the restructuring and redesigning of America uh, before our very eyes. And we are turning into a banana republic. We're just the largest banana republic in the world. Uh, but that's what we're turning into. And so I suppose as Christians – and you know what, John? Maybe – Maybe the way that I look at it, when I see America collapsing before my eyes, when I see us being targeted this way, when I, when I know that we're, we're going to end up getting audited, okay, where our liberal friends mm -hmm. are not, mm -hmm. uh, and we can kick and scream about all of this, and we need to get to the polls, we need to vote, we need to be active, we need to uh, show the disobedience. So I agree with all of that. But you know what it also tends to do for me? It, it, 
it causes me to loosen my grip on the things of this world more mm-hmm. and yep. look more toward yep. heaven and yep. eternity and yep. storing up treasures in heaven. I, I just, I mean, and I and I don't say that from a defeatist position, John. Of okay, well then let's give up on America. No, I'm not giving up on America. I still have a U.S. flag flying out in mm-hmm. front of my home. Right. I haven't taken it down. But you know something? I just my my hope is not. In America, staying America. My hope is in Jesus Christ, and it, it helps me to be more heavenly and eternal focused, and 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 less less absorbed by justice happening here in this country. I, I still care Agreed. about it, but it, it makes me just look to the Lord that much more. Agree, and, and I think, and again, to, to Neil's point, we can do. Both, yes. Do we need to be involved? Do we need to vote? Do we need to right. be, you know, involved in all of the things politically that we can be? I mean, yes. Our, our founding fathers, who I, I look at and say were, you know, not all of them were great men of God, but a lot of them were. And right. the reality is, can we do both? Absolutely. And should we be doing both? Absolutely. But to your point, Bob. I mean, I guess maybe just. Probably from being a business owner all these years, I've just learned over the years not to hang on to anything too tightly. Anyway, so in my right. world, it's not a new not a new thing for me. You just don't you just don't hang on to things tightly and move on. Anyways, but yeah, our hope is not in the things of this world. But can we fight for this country so that we can bring more people with us on down the road? Like I said last week, we absolutely can and should be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. you know, Neil. Maybe other, you could give us a final thought on this. Well, I don't know if it's a nuance or a little twist on what. We're saying here, but I think it's in keeping with everything you guys just described, and I appreciate the way that you brought it up. But I'm thinking about like Hebrews 11, you know, the Hall of Faith, where they're talking mm-hmm. about uh, Abraham and Moses and others, you know, who who were faithful to God and who had faith in God but never received the promise. You know, they never had a chance to experience eternal life the way that we understand it because of what Christ did for us at Calvary. And yet, we're going to spend eternity with them. Uh, but my point in all of this is saying that sometimes doing the right thing Always, I should say, always doing the right thing matters because uh, there are people coming behind us who, Lord willing, will find us faithful. Also, our actions, you know, whether we, quote, receive the promise or not, matter for those uh, who can look at what we've done in the past, who can look at what we've stood for, uh, and learn from that. And, you know, civilizations sometimes change the hard way. You know, sometimes they have to crash and burn before they're rebuilt again the right way. And I, I don't know what any of that means for our future, but what I am saying is I think just being faithful, doing the right thing, continuing to stand for truth and righteousness, loving our neighbor by laying our lives down for them, fighting for the unborn, that all these things matter in the end, whether or not we see total victory here on this earth. Bob, you're right. Uh, ultimately, our hope and our home is in heaven. And so my mm-hmm. prayer is that anybody listening to this conversation today you know, might be encouraged to get involved in the political process, might be encouraged to do the right thing here and now, but ultimately realizing that the relationship we have with Christ is for a reason, because we've got all eternity staring us in the face, and his desire, God's desire, would be that we would spend it with him. So let our hope be Jesus. Let our hope be the future. In the meantime, let's do everything we can to support truth and righteousness and stand for what it means to be followers of Jesus in the kingdom of God. Great final word. Uh, we always appreciate you folks listening to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. We welcome your five-star reviews. We thank you for those of you that have submitted them. You can listen to us, of course, at crawfordmediagroup.net. You can listen to past episodes as well. You can also listen at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to watch video of us, you can do that at myhopenow.com. 
And uh, John Rush, Rush to Reason, out of Denver, Colorado. Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live, out of Buffalo, New York. Next week, we'll have Roger Marsh back with us from the People's Republic of California. Myself, Bob Duco, out of Detroit. Guys, great catching up with you. Thanks so much. And uh, I don't know which one of us won't be able to be here next week because we'll be an audited, but I figure there's going to be over the course. <laughs> Me. Uh, we're each going to have to take our turn being audited. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. God have bless. Have a great week. Thank you, Bob. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. A view of today's culture through a biblical lens. Brought to you by Preborn. Saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to save babies now. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more from your local Crawford Media Group station or at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at MyHopeNow.com. Please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app. And look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.